Welcome to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine nutrition research digested for you. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Elbiotics, the postbiotic pioneer that helps maintain a healthy gut in pigs. Fibro Animal Health Corporation, healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. Hubbard Feeds, helping you meet your goals to maximize productivity and profitability in your operation. Elbiotics, the pioneer postbiotic for digestive health in pigs. Brought to you by Adair Biome. With over a century of experience in postbiotics for digestive health, L-Biotics contains heat-treated lactobacillus cell bodies and their metabolites. Stable by nature, L-Biotics can be easily stored and incorporated in compound feed. Welcome to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine nutrition research digested for you. I'm your host, Clayton Chastain. And today we have with us Caitlin Gaffield, a PhD student in swine nutrition with Kansas State University. So Caitlin, before we get started, would you mind giving the audience a short introduction about yourself? Hi, I'm Caitlin. I'm originally from Illinois and did my undergrad as well as my master's at the University of Illinois. And my master's was focused in meat science. Um, However, I started my PhD here with the Applied Swine Nutrition team around two and a half years ago and looking to finish up in early February. Awesome. So with your PhD, you said you're doing some research using soy byproducts in swine nutrition, particularly soap stocks and soybean gums. So to start, what are soap stocks and soybean gums and what have you learned about their value when it comes to swine nutrition? Yeah, so soybean gums and soybean soap stocks come from different processes in oil refinery. And so essentially we start with crude soybean oil that gets refined so that we can have the oil that we use for uh, different applications and processes. Um, But essentially soybean gums um, comes from the degumming step. And so this can involve either uh, utilizing water and then centrifuging out phosphatides or it can come from um, enzymatic degumming, which is a newer uh, version of degumming. But ultimately, you get um, this product we call soybean gums. Um, additionally, there's also soybean soap stocks, which comes a little bit later during the neutralization process. And so that is, involves adding um, sodium hydroxide, which then can bind up fat, free fatty acids and ultimately removes them from that oil during the refining step. Um, But once these get removed, it leaves us with a second byproduct, which is soybean soap stocks. And so both of these are pretty interesting um, as they contain, like I mentioned, phosphatides or free fatty acids. But they also contain some um, of the residual oil that comes out during these refining processes. And so this is pretty interesting due to potentially some of this oil um, makes these products have some um, inherent energy that can be used. But ultimately, what really got us to begin studying these byproducts is when we found out that some plants were adding these back um, during soybean meal manufacturing. So um, right around one to one and a half percent, um, we found could be added back before the, the toasting and drying process. And so we wanted to investigate how this impacts soybean quality and then ultimately how this impacts um, when we add it to swine diets. And so see it 
how those different phosphatides and free fatty acids impact, but also can this be um, an affordable energy source that we're adding back to soybean meal? So that's initially what got us investigating um, these products. And then um, when we got interested, we essentially designed um, two separate uh, projects. Um, One is first an industry survey. And so essentially we found out there was no good definition for exactly what the composition of these byproducts were. And so we figured that we would conduct a survey. And so we um, contacted 15 different plants, really trying to get a good range of the industry and then had them send us um, byproduct samples as well as soybean meal samples at different time points. We measured a variety of oil composition factors, including the crude oil, free fatty acids, as well as the full fatty acid composition of those products, ultimately so we can look at the composition as well as the variation from plant to plant. The second trial, um, we wanted to understand then how it's impacting uh, swine nutrition when it's added back into the soybean meal. And so we conducted a nursery trial here at K-State where we added, uh, took soybean meal and then added either 4% gums, 4% soap stocks, or a 2%, 2% combination of both the gums and soap stocks to the soybean meal, and then added this soybean meal into a common uh, nursery diet to see how it would impact um, the pigs compared to a control. And so that's what we're working on analyzing, uh, looking at growth performance, and also uh, total tract digestibility of lipids on that trial. Um, And so ultimately excited to wrap up these two trials and be able to report what we find on these two byproducts and hopefully uh, benefit both soybean processors as well as swine nutritionists um, with uh, these two studies. Do you believe there is a concern for palatability when adding these soap stocks back into soybean meal um, when feeding it to pigs? Yeah, and so that's a great question. And the term soap stocks essentially comes from when we add that sodium hydroxide and it binds with those uh, free fatty acids to uh, form a central soap-like material. And so very similar to like you had mentioned, like what we typically think of soaps. However, um, we haven't seen anything negative with the palatability so far when I look at past literature or as well as what we're looking at through the data for our trial. However, we haven't seen or investigated um, these on a full-scale palatability trial. Um, There is some work uh, with ours as well as a previous study by Bruce and others in 2006 looking at digestibility, um, but nothing really on um, the palatability um, area per se. So my question is for the ones that don't, what are these byproducts normally used for? And so these byproducts um, are considered a, a byproduct is in the name, but some plants have different um, byproduct streams. So I've heard of a couple plants uh, utilizing it in different cattle uh, feed applications, as well as some might have their own industrial applications uh, for these byproducts. But still, um, the out of the plants we've um, surveyed, we do see um, still a decent portion of plants also adding it back to soybean meal. Um, however, it really depends on a lot of factors is what we're finding out, such as uh, the initial soybean quality. Uh, is the soybean quality high enough that they can add these byproducts back? 
Um, another factor is if they're going to be creating lecithins um, for other applications because soybean gums essentially are the precursor product to lecithins. So um, if they're going to be creating lecithins, they'll dry down those gums to create uh, that product. So still a lot of factors that to be in play there. Um, so it really depends on where the plant's located, their soybean meal quality, and some of their own uh, marketing uh, factors. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Animin, international supplier of bioavailable precision minerals to impact pigs' gut health. Novus International Inc., a leader in swine nutrition solutions driven by science. Alltech, providing you proven specialty ingredients to maximize pig health, sustainability, and profitability. A leader in swine nutrition solutions driven by science. Novus's products and services look at the whole animal, focusing on productivity and well-being, in order to feed the world affordable and wholesome food. For more information, visit Novus's website at www.novusint.com. So, how do you think that? With based on your research and supply levels that you think might be projected in the market, this could affect um, kind of the economic availability in terms of return of interest and everything when used in swine nutrition for the next year. And so that's a great lead into kind of the next steps that we're looking to do. And and you make a great point with um, us anticipating greater soybean meal production. There'll in use of soybean oil, there will inherently be more of these byproducts produced. And so once we finalize these trials, there's a lot of uh, down the line aspects that we have to investigate, such as um, the handling applications of these byproducts and how to get them from the plant to the feed mill and then ultimately to the pigs. Um, some of the byproducts, such as some of the gums we've been working with, are quite uh, thick. And so how to effectively transport that and then actually get it through a feed mill, it would also factor into the application as well as the economics. And so that's the next step. Once we fully define the composition as well as the impacts it has in nursery diets, uh, we're hoping to kind of translate that into economics for both the soybean uh, processors as well as swine producers. Well, I believe that's all the time we have. So thank you again, Caitlin, for coming on the show and sharing all these results with us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And I would like to thank the United Soybean Board for their support throughout this these series of trials. Yep, and everyone else, thank you for listening to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinenutritionblackbelt.com and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you won't miss out on the next episode. See you next week. Hey everyone, we're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine nutrition related research trial and would like to come on the show and share it with us, feel free to email the details about your research to hello at wisenetics.com. Hey.